Hey guys, thanks for always tuning in. So I actually filmed this conversation on IG Live with Imani um, in mid-April, end of April, and we are now in the first week of May, and as of last week, Chinese officials in the Guangdong province have announced anti-discrimination measures that they're going to take to help the black people there that were facing horrible discriminations, especially in the capital of Guangzhou. So this comes after many African countries officials like Ghana, Kenya, Uganda, um, Nigeria, and the African Union Commission summoned Chinese ambassadors to answer for what is happening to their citizens, their patriots, in the Chinese province of Guangdong. Even the U.S. State Department issued a warning for African American citizens to not travel to the province. Um, you know it's bad when the U.S. State Department, the U.S. government is protecting its black citizens abroad. So measures that are being taken regards targeting hotels, restaurants, um, public transportation that we've heard reports of turning away black citizens, even medical providers, guys. So this was a big, big problem. But with these African nations calling China to task, China and Africa, the continent, have a very special relationship. Some might even call it the new waves of imperialism that China really, really doesn't want to mess up. And to keep the African continent welcoming this partnership with open arms, Chinese authorities had to address and rectify the situation. But this didn't just stem from COVID-19 outbreak and supposedly the rumors that an African immigrant are the ones who led to the second wave. There is a history of friction with the African population in the city of Guangzhou. So I thought who better to talk to than my friend Amani, who is an expat and was living in China at the outbreak of COVID-19. So I thought she might have a better understanding of it. She was actually living in Wuhan. So tune in, we're gonna hear her story, we're gonna hear about what's going on there and keep that in mind that there are some measures finally being taken to address the problem. Well, um, <laughs> they're like, mm -hmm, shut it down or did China shut it down? <laughs> right. <laughs> they're like, mm -hmm, you're explaining too much, too much. Oh, yeah. oh my god so it cut you off when you were talking about the, the yeah the relationship between china and yeah Africa. so hope, hope hopefully we don't get cut off again conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy um no so the relationship is like it's a it's a it's a ongoing relationship like for most people who don't know like akon's program that he's been doing the quote unquote light up Africa, his materials came from China. Like they gave him oh. the materials to be able to do this program. So yes, like it's a reciprocal, you know, thing. So it's like, you know, China has come in, I believe in other countries, built roads, et cetera, et cetera. And then like, you know, some people can go over there, study, et cetera. Um, okay. Now, in the situation with Guangzhou, Mm -hmm. This is not a new thing. This like tumultuous like black back and forth, black and forth um situation in Guangzhou is not it's not a new thing. Um and we learned that like when we were deciding what cities to go to, like most people were like, you know, you don't want to necessarily go to Guangzhou or Shenzhen because it's so close to the border that it's heavily policed. It's heavily like they're always making sure people have the right because 
um, for those of you who don't know, like China is one of the countries like around the world where even Americans, we are required to have a visa. Yeah. And they have stipulations with these type of visas. So like you can go to some places and they're very lenient. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can overstay, you know, they're not going to fine you. They're like, whatever. China is not one of those places. If you overstay, they will fine you. They may jail you. They may deport you. They may take your visa away. You know, so, and then there's tiers to your visa. So, like, if you're on a tourist visa, Mm -hmm. at the max, you can stay for 60 days before you have to leave on a tourist visa. 60 days, okay. 60 days. So, like, we have, like, so when we initially applied for our visas, like, my husband has a business visa. I have a tourist visa, but I got a 10-year visa, which means that it doesn't expire for, well, now I think I have, like, maybe, like, eight years, seven, 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 maybe seven years left on it. Okay. Um, but each time I go, I can stay 60 days before I have to leave, like pretty much clear, get a stamp that I'm, I've left and get a new stamp that I've come back. Okay? okay. Now, when you're working, you have to apply for a work visa. And that's like a whole process in and of itself, like required documentation and paperwork and a letter from your employer and all of these other things. And that's... Um, doing it that is that do most employers do it for you or is this you as a freelancer doing it so and most journalists so was that hard well so you? journalists no it would be like a different type of tier but like we went under my husband's business business visa and like okay. all of that so um so i applied for my visa with all of his like documentation his paperwork his letter um because that's another thing when you get an invitation letter from an employer it has to be like government stamp so like it has to get sent to the government, almost like a notary, but by the government. So the government of China has to stamp it that says, okay, it's okay that you're bringing this person over for business. It's okay that this person is working. And that's another thing. China is very, very, very like strict on the difference between working and the difference between doing business. So like if you're making money, you're working. Yeah. And so you need a, what is called a work Z visa in order to be there. And so the, the relationship that's happening over in Guangzhou is that one of the things that they have said that is a continued issue is that they have people that have overstayed. And China has like CCTV, China is, China is not a very private place. Like all your business is out there. Everything is like open. If you expect to go to China, you're going to be monitored. Um, And so they have a lot of undocumented people that are there. And so because of that. In the background. (laughs) You want to say hello? He is so cute. (laughs) So, um. You know, they have a lot of undocumented people there. And so because of that, they use that as an excuse to do some of the things that we're hearing about. Yeah. Um, which is never called for because none of us own any piece of land that we are on. And so it's never, you know, it's just never called for to um, treat people that way, especially in the wake of this. I'm like, we literally have just gone from you know, situations where people of Asian descent and not even Chinese, like all That's people of Asian, all Asian descent, Korean, and, you know, and it's like, you know, having to deal with xenophobia, having to deal with racism and people not supporting their businesses because it's like, oh, you're the reason for coronavirus. And then it's like, 
then now we look at it present day, things are kind of shaping up again in China. In an international scale with China asking Trump to not call it the Chinese virus. And yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's on a pretty international scale. So it, that's what it seemed to me, like how it just didn't compute. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do you think, did you guys ever have to deal with racism there or, or in that, um, or when you visited that area, do you think because there are so many black people, that's why it's happening there or in general? So that's a two-parter. I will say, I will answer the second part and we'll say yes. I think because that there are so many um, black African people that are there, Mm-hmm. That's why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. I feel like if you're kind of like a little bit more spread out, it's okay. I believe that if you're American, it's a little bit easier. You mm-hmm. have a different accent. Yeah. You have a different passport. Um, and that's that's a reality. Like that's yeah. just a reality oh, yeah. of privilege mm-hmm. um, that we have as, you know, as black people, but as Americans. Um, and okay. then, you know, and then the other part of it is that um, like I said, because they're so close to the border, bordering countries yeah. uh, oftentimes have these issues of wanting to heavily police, you know, their borders, wanting to heavily come down and search and do, you know, like all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, in, like I said, now I have Black American friends that are in different areas, different provinces, different cities who have not experienced it. I cannot say that I've experienced, quote unquote, blatant racism. I don't think I've ever experienced. I mean, maybe if someone said something in Chinese and I didn't know what they were saying, I have no idea. I have no idea. People will take pictures of you. They will want to take pictures with mm-hmm. you. Um, like, they, like, oh, my God, a real black person in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't but see that as racism. more curiosity versus, yeah. like, do not serve that they're Absolutely. seeing now. Absolutely. Yeah. There's never been a a circumstance where we've gone into a restaurant and they're like, oh, no, no, you have to get up or no, you can't, you know, whatever. Um, and like I said, I, I know, you know, so many people in so many different provinces in so many different cities, cities that were more desolate than ours, cities that were more like not as heavily populated with international people, yeah. you know what I mean? And didn't really encounter, you know, those issues. And then I have on another end where I do know um, I know one guy, he is African, he's from Cameroon, and he lives in Shenzhen, which is the border country right next, what well, the border city right next to Hong Kong. Okay. And so he's been openly speaking about what he's experienced having been there. Like, he's like, I haven't left the country. I've been here this whole time. Okay. Um, they've come knocking on my door, asking, you know, me to take my temperature, um, asking me for this and that and this and that. And so... You know, that's been his experience. So who is they? Because what I was confused about when I was reading is that, like, China officially was denouncing the actions. I know McDonald's China was, like, saying, no, that's not us. <laughs> and But then it's, like, people, I would assume that they're official if they're taking people's temperatures. And our State Department is making it seem like it's state-sanctioned. So that's what I'm kind of confused about. about so that's doing this yeah so that's what i would say i would say that it is individualized to the specific areas right because china is such a huge body of land i have to repeat that china is a huge body of land and i've gotten this before when people have asked me about being muslim in china and you know treatment that they've heard about muslims happening in a province that's so far north it's close to russia 
there and I'm like, a, there's a Muslim Chinese minority there, though, right? There is a huge Muslim Chinese minority. Like, okay. we, I've eaten at halal restaurants. Like, every city I've gone to, there's halal restaurants. I've okay. met, yeah, it's a huge population. China has one outside of, number one, Asia has the highest population of Muslims in the world. Like, but outside of Indonesia and South outside of, yes. Okay. And then China has one of the oldest histories of Islam in the world outside of middle like middle eastern countries in africa yeah so like these are things that people don't know there are mosques there there are you know what i mean like i've gone to the mosque i've gone to pray i've met other muslims i've eaten at halal restaurant like literally halal restaurants and they have the halal insignia in arabic and you know exactly where you know literally in the we've lived in two apartments in wuhan both were walking distance to our our houses, two different ones and two different sides of town. So yeah, it's like it's not uncommon. You know, it's not uncommon. Um, yeah. So it's just you know when you hear about things, especially there, you always have to say, okay, what area is it? You know where you know where is it? Mm-hmm. Um, because somewhere like Shanghai, mm, I would say eight times out of ten, you won't hear something like that. They're so multicultural. They're so international. Um, Forever, yeah. Yeah, Beijing's a little more like, Shanghai is more, I would say is more like, um, it's more uh, introductive to like new and and advancement and things of that nature. Beijing is still a little more um, traditional in some senses. Mm-hmm. So I would say Shanghai, you know what I mean? Like that's a city where a lot of people love to go because you're going to get the most international food. You're going to get the most, you know, international experience. Yeah. You know, you're going to find Disneyland, like, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, but other cities are just as, um, you know, are just as nuanced. Like I said, Guangzhou is just one of those cities that just has that thing. <laughs> with it like it just you know it just it's consistently been that way um you're in wuhan like you felt you feel fine being a black woman walking down the street by yourself there oh That's yeah like, absolutely okay. like if anybody were to ever go back to my like videos that are like saved at the top of my um instagram or like look through my um scroll through my pictures and stuff like mm-hmm. that i'm always covered you know yeah. i'm always in hijab like i'm you know i made tied in like a different turban style or something like that but I've never had any issues as far as like being stopped or being like you know just fearing for my life and you know in the sense of like oh my god like what's happening or I've been profiled for this I have had like and the only time I've had situations where I felt like that was when we're crossing from Hong Kong into Shenzhen and then they had to like feel like they have to thumb through my passport like the first time ever I saw somebody pull out a magnifying glass to like look through my stamps and I was just like (laughs) what is happening (laughs) yeah and then like the only two people standing there was like me and another guy and the other guy looked like he was possibly like Ethiopian Eritrean okay I was like okay we see what's going on here and he kind of like and the guy like we kind of looked at each other and kind of rolled our eyes like okay we, we kind of get yeah. back in here so exactly yeah exactly. but that's literally the only time where I've had that kind of situation happen in any other cities it's just been like people look but they you know they just keep it moving kind of mm-hmm. thing so all like, of considered did you like living did you your husband your son did you guys like living there 
I did. One thing that we understood was that number one, that was a thing. The CCTV is a thing. The monitoring is a thing. Um, no, another thing that we understood is that we're a small fish. We're not going to be going over there making waves and that's my husband kissing me. That was they both are trying to make waves. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you saying? We are. <laughs> so you know, for you know, so for us, it was like going in, or you know, we asked the questions for people. You know, this is. My husband's lived in eight countries. I've lived in three. So we kind of like have this thing where we, you know, kind of like do a little bit of research so that we know what it is that we're getting ourselves into. So it's not like a complete culture thing, you yeah. know, like where it's like, yikes, you know what I mean? And, and China, I would say, was the hardest country for me to get adjusted to. I think for all of us to get adjusted to. Yeah. I would say it took me like a good three months because like the first 30 days, I was like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Just because, like, you know, you can go to so many other places and adapt just a little bit easier. People speak mm-hmm. a little bit more English. People, um, you know, it's just a, and, and you don't have to really worry about a VPN. You can contact yeah. the outside world. You can, you know, there's just so many things, you know, that, that wasn't too bad. You can use your, your, your own debit card at a restaurant where it's like there it's like you can only use WeChat. You know what I'm saying? And so oh, yeah, in some places. When we were in I think it was Thailand, we met a couple that their flights got rerouted through China and then they mm-hmm. weren't able to use their card at the hotel that night. Yes. It was like a whole thing. Yes. So <sighs> that was like, you know, within our first ninety days there was just so much that I was just like, yeah. Oh my goodness. It's like even Our- being an expat this this long it was still something that it was like it, you can only live it in order to be able to adjust to. Oh, yeah. Like you can only experience it to know. And literally everybody that I had met was like, "Your first ninety days are gonna be crazy." Just like, and once we did get over that hub and kind of learn the lay of the land and figure out how could we could do certain things, and yeah. um, it got obviously easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, there's still a lot of cultural differences, and there's still exactly. a lot of you know a lot of things that is just, I would say like more of an, an annoyance than anything, you know, but other than that, the quality of life was fantastic. What um, about the con- air quality that like people notoriously oh. like, talk about China? Yes. Yeah, so some cities like, so Wuhan, it's funny because right before we um, left, this was like around December, I took a picture outside of my window. So we were mm-hmm. on the, you were on the 19th floor. Our last oh. apartment, I think was on the 19th floor. And so there was a building like adjacent to us and the smog was so high, we couldn't see the building. And I, I still have that picture to this day. Um, wintertime is the worst. Wintertime is the worst as far as smog is concerned. It depends on which province you're in. It depends on which area of China that you're in. Like Beijing is the worst, worst. It's like the worst, worst. Did and you wear masks the- during the day? Like when you were out? No, yeah, we, so we would go like based on, so like just like how like we check the weather. You can check the smog, like you can check the smog for the day. And so we would kind of like do that, do those kind of things. The great thing about um, there was number one, like the accessibility to everything. So even if we were taking our son out, we would just jump in an Uber, like right in front of our, you know, development, go to the mall, go to the store, or, you know, something within walking distance. My husband, for the most part, would have to be outside more than me. Yeah. Because, you know, like I could take my son to a play area inside of the mall because they have like 50 inside mm-hmm. of the mall. So I wouldn't have to have 
I wouldn't have to keep him outside, you know, in that kind of, you know, in that kind of um, environment. So it really didn't affect me as much. With him, he would like, I got him like this mask, this overhead mask thing. So like, it's like fully like this, and then he can just see out of this part. See? out of this part. And so he would wear that to practice if he had outdoor practice. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah it, so when did you guys decide to leave? Like, when was like the block getting too hot for you guys? So, <laughs> so we actually, so we kind of made a choice to leave, but we didn't. So okay. this is what I mean. Um, Chinese New Year is the biggest holiday in China. <laughs> so that's also like the longest time that like everybody has. To, to have off yeah and so it's the best time to take a vacation and like go somewhere okay. so that's another thing that i explain to people when they're like how did this spread so much i was like because this literally spread at chinese like right before chinese new year when everybody has vacations but and i think they said somewhere in the neighborhood of like 200 million chinese leave every year for chinese new year so imagine and then you have international people that are like students that are going home um, you know, the semester's over, you know, so this was like the worst possible time for this to happen because everybody was, you know, pretty much leaving. Yeah. Um, so we had already planned our vacation like months ahead um, because the year before we were novice and we didn't know and we were stuck in China for the Chinese New Year uh, because flights and all of that were like booked up and, you know, those last minute flights, you're like, what? Uh, uh, like flights that were normally like even to Thailand, like a round trip to Thailand is like one hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, they were like five hundred, four hundred. We were oh, like for just one person. No. I was like, no, we. Get so we ended up having to stay in China. So literally right after then, I told my husband, I was like, next year we're doing this right. So we had I had already looked up um, a city called Kota Kinabalu. It's in the Borneo region of um, of Malaysia. Okay. And I had already been to Kuala Lumpur, but my husband loves the beach. And so I was like, it was a, it's a straight flight, no layover. So I'm like, perfect. This is awesome. We'll go there. And just me being kind of like, we weren't sure exactly when we wanted to come back because it was like a 10 day break. I just bought one way flights. Yeah. So I get the one way flights and literally, so this is the chain of events. Our flights were January 14th. Okay. We left January 14th to go on vacation. We get to Malaysia. We start hearing about the death. My landlady is like messaging me um, because she's like, you know, giving me the development. She's like messaging me in Chinese and I'm just like translating like what she's saying. Okay. Obviously, we're like paying attention to the news. You know, we're paying attention to what people are saying, you know, in the streets in Malaysia where we are. And literally days after we get to Malaysia, they lock the city down. Whoa. So, like, we have just what we have. Yeah, your husband. Yeah. yeah. Like, my our apartment, like, my son, like, toys, clothes, uh, just stuff that we've accumulated over two years. Yeah. The only positive, because my husband left his wallet, we had to get, like, new cards, new licenses, like, all of that. Um, the one blessing is that my son and I don't have the same last name. He has the same last name as my is husband. It, yeah. And so I always travel with our documents, like birth certificates, um, social security cards, just in case, you know, somebody gets sick, you have to go to the doctor. Yeah. Or sometimes, like, if you're not married, going to certain places, they want to see, like, documentation or something. Yeah. So I literally travel with all of those documents. And that's the only 
things that I, that we were able to have outside of the clothes that we travel with. Wow. Oh my yeah. So you have not gone back to Wuhan. So we have not been, I literally told the ladies to like, just give away everything. We have not been back. We just had to like pretty much get, you know, get rid of our stuff because what happened was when we were in Malaysia, um, they closed the borders to Wuhan. So you couldn't even get to Wuhan. You couldn't even get to China. And, yeah. and then maybe a week after, they, they stopped routing any flights to China. I so, did not you had not been no. <laughs> your stuff. Like, yeah, no. Mm-mm. We literally had, you can't leave the hotel. Yeah. You can't, we were, everybody was doing everything normally. Like, you'd go out to eat. You'd, like, you'd go out to eat. You could still go to the mall. You can do, so it wasn't like that then. Um, and then when we split, um, it was because my husband decided we were like, it's time for you to take a new contract. You know, I wanted to speak at Women's Travel Fest because at one point I had messaged um, Kelly. Kelly is the, for anybody. Yeah. Like even when I saw, when I saw you at Women's Travel Fest, I had to like, I had ordered stuff from Pretty Little Thing. You were looking so fly. I had to order stuff because I didn't have any winter clothes. You have such a beautiful sneaker collection. Did you have to leave them there? <laughs> I was so sad. I was like, oh my God, my shoes. Yeah. But yeah, literally I had to on a beach vacation too. So yeah, so we, we had all I had all like summery stuff and literally because I was coming into New York, I was like, I don't have any clothes. Like I don't have a coat. Yeah. I don't have I like boots. Anything of value in Wuhan. Um, like I said, of, of value, I would say just like my husband's wallet, our cards, stuff like that. But like I said, I mean, those were replaceable things. Like I yeah. just reapplied for him to get a new license. Um, all of the cards we got replaced. Um, thankfully I carry, um, I have a PayPal card and yeah. so I carry that with me and we had that with us. But I mean, honestly, your your landlady's probably not renting out that apartment anytime soon. No, that's the other thing. So no, she's not even in that much of a rush to pack it up because no, because she, she said she was like, I mean, I can send it to you, and I was like, I doubt if anywhere is allowing anything to come in from China. Exactly. So I'm like, just hold on to it. But we, what we, what ended up happening was because you know I was freelance writing at the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, full time, like this, you know, this was my life, and then. So our housing was attached to my husband's career. Yeah. The weeks were progressing in Malaysia. Our savings is going down. Huh. You know, we're like pulling money out of investments. So and where are you staying in Malaysia? Was it a hotel? Hotel. Okay. So it was, you know, it was a lot. Um, the one thing that I could say I was grateful for is like we were in a beautiful place. You know, it's like, oh, we were we were quarantined on the beach like exactly. you know and, and at that point it wasn't so like locked down like you can't leave the hotel yeah. you can't we were everybody was doing everything normally like you go out to eat you can still go to the mall you can do so it wasn't like that then um and then when we split um it was because my husband decided we were like it's time for you to take a new contract you know i wanted to speak at women's travel fest because at one point i had messaged um kelly kelly is the for anybody who's unfamiliar kelly's the fantastic um, creator of women's travel fest um and i messaged kelly when she was doing the programs because my name's not even in the program and i was like kelly i'm not going to be able to make it and i told her that and then i remember i got a freelance check-in it was six hundred dollars 
Yeah. And my flight was 580. And I told my husband, I was like, I have to do this. Like, I have to do this because I'm just like, you know, representation, all of that. And just, you know, my personal goals. I'm like, I need to meet more people. I'm like, we've been abroad for so many years. People only see me on the internet. So I'm like, I really just want to meet more people in this space. And that's how I ended up coming back to the state. And they ended up there because I was like, you can get started there. You know, they've got housing, you know, they'll be fine. My husband was making a salary. So, and because it wasn't like locked down in Malaysia, we did not expect it to just follow us everywhere. Are you at all surprised about like the racism that's going on there? The things that are like the roundup? Do you think that the media is portraying it, how it actually is going down? Because at first when I saw it, my boyfriend and I were like, oh, is this really, we believed it was really happening, but we weren't sure until it was like BBC, Forbes, CNN, because at first I it on social media. So I thought clearly this is an incident of racism, but I didn't realize it was so wide scale until all of those news outlets started to pick it up and show the different instances throughout the city. I think it's a, like I said, I think it's a thing that has existed already, especially in, in that city. In that that city is known for it. We were told that, you know, in 2016, when we first came to China, like, you know, the, the block is hot here. You know what I mean? You might not want to move here because, you know, there's so many, you know, Black people here. And so they'll use that as a reason to whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so, Yes, I do think, you know, it, it has those racial undertones and overtones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think with this pandemic, it gave them a reason to now go above and beyond what would normally happen because, I mean, I these people have been living there. They have businesses. They have children there. They have, you know yeah. what I mean? All of these things. So it's like, have you know yeah. what I mean? All of these things. So it's like, why now? all of a sudden yeah honestly for me what really did it was the fact that the u.s state department said something right right they were like i mean it's american government it's not like they're like oh african-americans so and they were like you guys no don't go there it's not going to be safe for our citizens and it was a very interesting yeah like american government looking out for black people not always the case yeah i mean seriously whoa that's something's really going down there where the state department is like no you guys are our citizens too and we can't stand no, you you are so right i mean i had a situation where i was living in um when i was living in egypt a school that i was working at tried to take my passport and i reached out to the embassy and they were like well we don't handle personal disputes so like to see the american go- like you said to see the american government get involved you know it is something but it's something because like i said um you know, number one, people are not being quiet about it. And then number two, it's it's so much more exaggerated. And when I say exaggerated, I don't mean that it's false. I mean, exaggerated, like, extra. Yeah. It's so much more extra now w- with what they're doing. Yeah. You know, to the people there, with what they're doing to the Black Africans there, with what it is that they're doing to the, as far as, like, not being able to eat at this restaurant or not yeah. being able to stay in this particular apartment and, and being kicked out of your residence. Because that's another thing. In China, um, rent is paid three months out. So three months out, that is standard practice. So like whenever you are renting an apartment, yeah. so let's say it's April now, you're playing April, May, June. Okay. That's how it works. And so 
you know, when you see people are getting kicked out, 10 times out of 10, they're not getting their money back. Kind of security deposit. No. 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 You know what I'm saying? And so it's just, it's unfortunate because you think about the people that possibly need to be there that have created Mm -hmm. lives there. I remember when I was first flying over, um, because my husband went before my son and I, when we were first um, leaving Egypt, and I met a woman from, it's funny because she was living in Guangzhou, and she, I forget what area of, of Africa that she was from, but she was African, and she was telling me that she had lived there for like 12 years, and you know, things like that. There are people there that have created their lives there, um, you know, because it's a it's a better living situation for them than wherever it is that they may be from. And so, you know, that's the one thing that I say is a complicated relationship because people are like, well, why don't they just leave? Or why don't they just, or why don't they just, or why don't they just? And I'm like, it's not that simple for everybody. Everyone doesn't have the privilege to be able to just up and go somewhere. Like, especially like, you know, if you think about it, you've been somewhere for 10 years. That's your home. Home. That's your home. I may not be Chinese, but like, at this point, this is my home. This is what my children know. This is, you know, this is what we know. And so, like I said, I I really do believe that it's, number one, it's something that has existed, but now they've used that as a barometer to take it up a notch. Mm -hmm. And you know, with social media and things like that, people are being much more vocal and saying, this is what's going on. Look at what's happening. Um, And, you know, China can't afford to be in that light. You already have this situation that has spread globally. You really kind of control, like, the manufacturing of everything that everywhere has, for the most part. And then now this? You know what I mean? So now, like, what is that going to do for tourism? What is that going to do for, you know, your expat teachers who, you know, who teach your English? And a lot of them are black Americans, you know, that are no longer going to want to come there and teach because a lot of the teachers that I know are black American. Yeah. And a lot of times they will come because you will say, oh, this city is a great city. This city is a, you know, that's how we do. We will look out for each other. But now we will look, don't be don't go there. <laughs> Don't go there. But do you think they're now trying to scapegoat, scapegoat because of the international light on them? You know, people are saying, oh, it originated in China. Like, are they trying to blame the black people for how it, why it's there in their You know what? I have, during the you know what? I have like, no, what's that logic? I have no idea. Now, one thing that I can tell you is that that is a place that does not deal in logic. That is a place that does not deal in common sense. And it's not shade. It's just that um, the dynamic of how they're structured is that you're not allowed to think outside of the box. And so a lot of people don't. And so if you're somebody that's possibly in a field that requires you to do something, you're going to do it because that is the culture in China. Like you don't. No, you don't you don't speak out against the government. You don't say something against the president and you don't, you know, speak it. You will go along because yeah. that's what we told you to do. So that's why yeah. even with the, um, with the lockdown, I'm like, it's much easier in a place like that because once they tell you to stay in the house, 
You gotta not even think about going outside. Like that's not one of those places. No one else is outside. So. No. Yeah. no, like when I saw the streets cleared in Wuhan, I was like, this could never happen in New York City. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Wuhan has at least three three million more people. Oh, Phil Walkie said they shut his WeChat down. Oh, Phil, they shut. See, Wait, wow. Where is, where is he right now? Where's Phil? Where are you? I knew Phil was was in India, but I don't know if he's back home home yet but wow that's interesting that's so interesting that's crazy yeah because they they, i mean they will do like they will do whatever needs to be done to like you know and even even with this situation i wouldn't be surprised if people's internet stops like working or working funny or um oh wow see phil said he was talking about muslims and so they shut they shut down. <laughs> oh, he's in Copenhagen. Okay, good. I believe 2021, they were supposed to be rolling out like a social credit system. So like What's based that? on your social credit, well, for, for the nationals that live there. So based on your social credit, meaning like, you know, you paid your bills on time and like you're a good person in society, they can dictate the things that you can do and cannot do. Okay yeah wow wow so like it's like when people like talk about technology and stuff like that i'm like you ain't seen nothing until you've gone to china because now i was reading that they they have a better or they should have a better handling of how it's tra- how the virus is traveling because they they can they yeah. can like, monitor what building you're going in and, in and out of that like yeah. down to that wow yeah they they like they know they know like from your phones, from whatever the case may be, they know. They know where you at any given Sunday. They yeah. know. That's, that's what, and I, a lot of what I saw in the subtext of what the State Department said made like that whole paragraph about you're subject to their laws when you're there. It's kind of what they say in certain states where like, we don't know, we can't get you out of jail if something goes wrong there. We don't, we can't do and it. And that's fact. That's a place that you cannot like, there was a situation, black American guy in Chongqing, the city that I first came to live in, mm-hmm. um, a guy that my husband met, he was supposed to be coaching the same year as my husband in 2016, gets into a fight after a bar, mm-hmm. he was in prison for three years. Wow. A fist for fight. A bar fight. A bar fight. Wow. You know? Because it's like, you're here, like, so that was another thing, you know, we made it a point to like, okay, nobody's going out after this certain time. Like, my husband, like, when his players would go out and stuff, he's like, I'm not going to be around anybody drinking or possibly doing something that's going to be rambunctious. He's like, I have a kid. Um, You know, and so we just made sure to define what the lines were as far as, like, what we were going to do. Like, getting into arguments, things like that. It was just like, what's it worth? Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what's it worth like yeah. yeah knowing this why did you stay there weren't you afraid to be there or is it hearing about scary things in the u.s one thing that i can say especially as a black american especially as a muslim woman um i would say especially being in atlanta right now i would say i'm more hesitant of being here than i was in china and i'll tell you why oh, there by november of 2019 there was 6,400 women missing black women Sex trafficking. And Atlanta is one of the biggest culprits of that. Even when my husband takes my son out, I am very, very like, okay, you know, what's happening? Where are you guys going? Because I work from the house, you know, so I have to be like 
on, you know, I'm checking my laptop every, you know what I mean? I have to be on from nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as my husband is concerned, being abroad, I feel like police are not going to bother him. They're not going to stop us. Um, there's not going to be a situation where I feel like I have to look over my shoulder. And the public American, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Literally, like, I speak to that all the time. I, you know, I try to speak to people about living abroad. The quality of life as a Black person with that American passport, with this, whatever accent people want to call it, that is the reality. Yeah. You know, and that's the quality of life that we want. My husband has lived in places that people have been like, oh, they're racist. My husband lives in Italy. My husband lives in France. Yeah. He lived all around Europe. We lived in consider quote unquote the Middle East in Egypt. We lived in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. I've never felt safe. I lived in po- we lived in Poland. A place <laughs> that people were like, they hate black people. It was the best experience I've had living abroad. Really? The best. The best experience. That's where my son was born. Oh. The best experience that I've had living abroad. And so you just you can't you, you would have to experience it to know. That's yeah. what I try to share with everyone. Absolutely. I've experienced the United States for 28 years before I decided to dip. So I know. <laughs> I, know. I, tried I tried it. I tried it. I tried it. Listen, yes. you know what I mean? My husband to be a black man from the hood, you know, from New York, mm-hmm. to leave Queen without a record, not being dead, not being in prison. That's an anomaly, and, and we want to keep it like that. Exactly for him and my son. Like exactly. that's just that's yeah. just how I feel. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. Even yeah, even with that, you're you don't have to deal with the quality of life that you would have to in China being a Chinese person. Quite honestly, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Or being you know, uh, or being an immigrant in the sense of like from a country mm-hmm. that is not like a United States or a United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that, so do you and think you're going to go, you would go back there, say your husband gets offered a contract. You guys are deciding in, in like 2021, 22. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like I, I enjoyed it for the time that we did. It's kind of like Egypt for me now. Like Egypt, you know, I met my husband there. My hu- my son took his first steps there. Yeah. My, um, you know, my my um, son said his first worst first words there. In Egypt but, or China? Huh? In Egypt or in China? In Egypt. Oh. But that's a place that is like bittersweet for us. Loved it, but I had to throw hands in <laughs> Egypt. So like that's a place that I know. If I had to go back and Wait, I speak you Arabic. No, you have to explain that. You can't just say oh, I had to go God. back. I, it has, the passport situation. They oh. tried to keep, yeah, they tried to keep the, the HR lady of my school. They're very, very shifty sometimes in Egypt. But I speak Arabic. So that's where I draw lines because mm-hmm. I can tell you I'm not playing. So after I emailed the embassy and was like, hey, they took my passport and the embassy said they couldn't do anything. I was like, okay, plan B. I have to get my passport back because I don't feel comfortable like with you having my passport. Till this day, they still have my original degree that I 
walked across the stage and got in the mail. I ended up getting another copy, don't worry. But still. But they still, because what they were doing was they would keep them so that teachers wouldn't break their contract. And so oh. once they would, you know, leave at the end of the year, which obviously they couldn't keep teachers, they would give it back. But I was like, I'm a foreigner. There's no way for me to walk around without this documentation. Exactly. So they decided they wanted to have this, like, meeting, right? This, you know, and it was like <laughs> the school down. lawyer. Well, yeah, the school lawyer and the HR and some other guy. So two guys, the HR lady and myself. So everybody's talking and expressing to me why I can't have my passport back. And I'm just kind of like eyeballing my passport, eyeballing it. Cause I'm like, cause she had her hands on it. So I'm like, as soon as she takes her hands off of it, I'm getting it and I'm out. So of course she takes her hands off of it. I go to grab it and she starts grabbing my arm. So I started to swing like, <laughs> Let's go. So then the two guys, the school lawyer and the other, they jump up, they start to grab me. So I'm swinging on everyone at this point. Like I'm screaming, I'm yelling at them in Arabic. I'm telling them to get the F off of me. Don't touch me. Get your hands off of me. Like everything. It was a, it was a whole thing. So yeah, so this is so in, in those terms, like, and, and Egypt is easy living. Egypt is like the dollar compared to Egyptian pounds is like one to 17. So your money's going super far. But in terms of like my livelihood, I can't go back there. Like, why would I do that to myself? You're like, at a school, I had to throw it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And so for me, it was like China was such a, it was such a refreshing place to go because it was right after that. You know, we had a situation where, you know, the team that my husband was working for, they just stopped paying him in Egypt, which IE was paying our rent. Yeah. Landlord was like, hey, they haven't paid the rent in two months. Then it went three months. You know, we had to go through this whole process where I had to like, be like, I'm a journalist. I'll put you in American media. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> asking you, how did the fight end? How <laughs> did the fight end? What? I was knocking and bucking. I got my passport. <laughs> Okay, I didn't get my degree because she had it in like some kind of drawer, but I damn sure got my passport. I sure did. And I, we got out of Dodge because I was like, I have to get out of here. Like, this is crazy. Oh and that's like the first time that I've ever gotten into like a situation where I legitimately had to like either like yell at the OB like completely outside of myself. And I was yeah. like, I didn't move abroad for this. Like, this is not, exactly. I wasn't fighting in the States as an adult. Like, why am I? Why do I have to throw blows out here? Like, what is this? Like, I was in New York and I've never gotten. Listen, I'm like, come on, like, come on. I be in hoods all across America. I ain't never had to like throw no throw no jabs. Like, y'all crazy out here. So you know, in terms of that, obviously we didn't deal with anything like that in China. Um, like I said, the quality of life was great. However, with all of these things compounded, what's what's happening now to the extent that it's happening? Yeah. I just think they have way too much stuff going on that I think will change the dynamic of how they interact with us as foreigners, Black even foreigners. as America, yeah, as even, yeah, just foreigners in general, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, other foreigners have, Australians, British, they have horror stories as far as being treated a certain way or going into business there and you know, so it, you know, it's not just us, but us is always magnified and it's always to an extremity that is unnecessary. And so yeah. I feel like because of all of this, they're going to increase 
what they're already doing Big Brother style, and I don't want to live like that. I see. So, yeah, I also you know, saw someone saying China is not welcoming to Chinese-born Americans. I did hear that. I yeah. did. I did hear yeah. about that. That there's just like a completely different dynamic there. Yeah. Too. Like I said, knowing what I know now, and and having all of these things happening with the pandemic, with everything that's going on surrounding that area now, I feel like it's just going to give them just reason to increase different things that are happening. And I don't want to live in a place like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, which, like I said, we did enjoy our time in China. I'm sorry that I have to say that because we were like, you're black, you're Muslim, what? Yeah. We had it, I mean, we had an enjoyable time. It was, it was a beautiful experience, mm -hmm. but it was just that. It was another experience that we, we exactly. put under there. We're like, okay, we did that. And, you it's know, so that's yeah, just what it is. That. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I'm asking everyone that's a traveler that I'm chatting with. So once this is over, whenever it's over, and especially in your case, where do you and your family next think that you guys want to go? Uh, we're, uh, we're already looking at South America. We are. <laughs> go to Colombia. That is like, if I was not in New York, if my partner wasn't in Italy, and I'm still trying to get him to move to Medellin, I'm like, why don't we start yeah. a company there? <laughs> Listen, I love that city, Colombia is my jam. Listen, we are like, we've been looking at Airbnb, we've been looking at everywhere because, um, oh, somebody asked why South America, because ironically, out of all the places that my husband and I have been combined, we have not been to South America. <laughs> I love it. We're disgraceful. We're disgraceful. Like, because we were, like, he started off his career in Europe. I started, I moved to Africa first. Mm -hmm. And so we stayed on that side of the world. So we never really got a chance to like venture into it. And we are like, hey, now that we're back in America, now this gives us a reason because we're much closer. We exactly. just head south. But literally we are like, listen, <laughs> we are so ready. We're like, okay, these are the city. So now I got to look at Medellin. But I'm like, we had like, we had um, Antigua and Guatemala. We were okay. looking at that. It looks absolutely beautiful. Lima. Um, I love Lima. Lima is a really place. It's, it's very small, though. Yeah. And, like, where you would be, I have friends that are there, and it's kind of like the, the size of Soho is the, the place that you'd be, like, walking okay. around in. Okay. Yeah, it's That's small. You. It's small a city, like, in that, in that sense. Yeah. Oh, people are recommending me yeah, places. Yes, they are going to be. Yeah, that's definitely going to be on my. So we, you know, we like to do a little bit of research. You know, whenever we go to a place, but you won't be surprised as soon as these these borders <laughs> open up and these planes are back running, we're going to be like, yes, hey guys, You're coming like live from Bolivia. What does um your research entail? So yeah. typically we research. We like to see what other expats. Um, like about a city or don't like about a city, I will watch, like my husband, I will watch YouTube videos on what people like and dislike. Mm -hmm. um, I like to hear the dislikes. Um, yeah, and, and that never deters us from going to a place, obviously, because we've been to places that a lot of people don't like. Um, and I, we also look at weather. Um, weather is a big thing for me. I hate the snow. I hate the cold. I don't know how we got... All right, so we just got cut off because we had an hour. <laughs>